What's happening, everybody? My name is Ozzy, and you're listening to the Eastern Current Fishing Podcast. Today, I chatted with Captain Addison Grantham of Unreal Charters. We talked about boat selection, sheep's head fishing, and our thoughts on tournament fishing inshore. Hope you guys enjoy, and thanks for listening. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an I Strike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly Ramp Talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. You will also be able to find extra video content that you can't find on YouTube. If you've loved listening to the Eastern Current podcast, subscribing to our Patreon is a great way to help support the show. Well, Captain Addison, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Um, before we jump into it, tell me a little bit about uh, what you do and, and how you got into fishing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Pretty exciting. But uh, I, I've always grown up fishing. I'm from Smithfield, North Carolina, so um, up closer towards Raleigh. And I grew up you know, there, really close to the Noose River. So uh, mainly... Uh, growing up, I did, you know, just pond hopping. I didn't really target anything specifically. I just, you know, anything that, that bit my lure, uh, you know, whether it was large mouth or crappy brim. The uh, the Noose River there, we had some pretty big catfish. So a lot of times I'd go to a pond, catch some brim, and then take it down to the river. Had a little, little john boat called it the river gnar <laughs> and uh you know 15 horsepower tiller on the back and uh just go fishing for you know flathead catfish blue catfish and um my dad he uh he he liked doing the near shore offshore trolling so we always had some kind of boat i think the majority of my life we had this old chaparral 21 foot cutty cabin and That's so sweet we'd uh go yeah oh yeah i was i was really excited when he bought it and so we had it had it geared out for trolling and um so for you know salt water that was that was mainly what we did trolling for spanish kings and um emerald isle atlantic beach that that area so mm-hmm. um you know it was it was really cool that i got to move down here finally after that so uh and Weldon also I, I know you uh you like going guiding down there that was that was a big part of my childhood we probably went three times a year for for the big striper run and and the shad as that, that was a lot of fun but what got me into in inshore fishing was I ended up uh, moving here with the coast guard and I uh, lived in Moorhead for a little while and started out on uh, 18 foot g3 um 
classic. Yeah, 90, 90 horse tunnel hull like that. That boat, it it could get anywhere. Yeah, and I started on an aluminum boat too. And oh, yeah. Man, I love it. Yeah, I, I loved that thing. It was a seventeen foot Alumacraft. Um, a little underpowered with a what I think a thirty five on the back of it. Mm-hmm. I loved that thing. That was a fishy little boat, and I beat the snot out of it too. That was the beauty of it, though. Yeah. Um, was yours welded or riveted? It was mostly riveted, and um, the welds, it was like spot welded, and I think that helped it out because when I was going through mm. some really choppy stuff, I hear a lot of people say these full welded boats are cracking welds, but I think having the spot welds kind of helped it yeah. give a little bit because, uh-huh. I mean, I I beat the snot out of that thing too, <laughs> and it's, it's, still, it's still running well. Uh, my dad, he's got it there in Smithfield oh, nice. with him, and uh, – he took it, took it to Roanoke Rapids, and um, I missed out on that trip. So <laughs> he just showed me pictures of the hundreds of uh, fish that that he caught that day. That's awesome. I think I prefer welded. I was popping rivets mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I mean I, I rednecked it pretty good. Anywhere from JB Weld to oh yeah, um, what's that? Three um, M makes the yeah fifty two hundred. I mean, I mean it looked like a Frankenstein boat, but I, I love that boat. Um, I don't hate on an aluminum boat at all. They're, they're awesome. Oh yeah. I it's, miss mine. Yeah. It's, it's great. If, if you're going to run two boats, I think, um, you know, have, having a scout boat, aluminum boats, a really, really good tool. Cause you know, I mean, so what you run it on an oyster bed, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything, but scratch it, uh-huh. just push it right off. Right. Yeah. So you game down. You were staying in. Um, you said Moorhead. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for getting me back on track here. <laughs> uh, so Moorhead, I watched some YouTube videos on uh, in, in you know the best best lures for catching inshore fish. So I went mm-hmm. to the tackle shop and they uh, suggested a popping cork with a gulp underneath, and I did that. I took one of my old rods, the old Shimano spinning reel that had the little trigger that you would pull and it would flip the bail open and uh, probably had some old crusty 12-pound mono <laughs> yeah. on there and my popping cork. And I was just kind of drifting the channel behind Shackford Banks and uh, threw it out and gave the popping cork a few pops. And then something hit it and it just took off running. I mean, w- within seconds – it had gone probably 100 feet, and there's just a big old splash, explosion on top of the water, and then made another run, same big old splash again. And before I knew it, I was spooled, and I was just like, man, that was crazy. <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> After that, that really um, – well, of course, you know, I was, I was hooked because I was like, man, I, I wish I could have landed that fish. I wonder what it was. And so I went – and picked up my first uh, actual saltwater combo, uh, pin battle two, 3000, um, oh, yeah. came with the rod and everything. And I still have it. It's, uh, you know, those, those pins, they're, they're pretty tough reels. Heck yeah. You know, I, I use the crap out of that, but I, what do you, what do you think you had on? I, uh, knowing I, what you know now, I, I think it was a tarpon. <laughs> that's crazy i don't uh, doubt it i mean right there and that that's pretty insane and the, the, the way you you're describing the run and and jump did it jump or was it just shaking yeah. its head on top uh you know I, I i don't really remember 
it, I'm sure if it came completely out of the water, I would have been able to identify, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a tarpon, but it was just, I think it was just like, you know, tails splashing, stuff like that. That's so and sick. It just happened so quick. And, you know, I've caught sharks before. I knew it wasn't a shark. Um, it, it was just way too quick. And so my thought was either, you know, maybe a king or a really, really big Spanish had gotten gotten in into uh, the backwater. I mean, I wasn't that far from the inlet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's possible. but That's an inshore introduction right yeah. there. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> That's like, awesome, dude. <laughs> welcome to inshore. Time to spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, you got you a battle. Did you switch boats eventually? Yeah, yeah, um, I did. So um, I like, I think, looking up boats probably as much as I like looking up tackle I've I've always really loved boats I mean growing up I used to draw them in class and Mm -hmm. and I was in drafting class like my senior project I like designed a boat and uh, bought bought a little remote control boat and everything took it apart and like did uh, the 3d imaging on AutoCAD with it that's sweet and um yeah, I, I used to be kind of smart in school, and, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've always always been fascinated with boats. But a- after that, I uh, got into the Tidewater Bay Max, mm-hmm. the, the 2110 tunnel hull, because I knew I, I needed something that could run skinny, and I also wanted to be able to punch out the inlet a little bit if mm-hmm. I wanted to. So I had that for three years, and that was a really good boat, and um See, then I picked up the Ghost 183 and ran that for a while and, you know, realized, like, I, I like the walk-around gunnels. I, I really like flats boat, you know, being able to pop up in really shallow water mm-hmm. and, and, you know, fight a fish 360 degrees around the boat. Right. So, um, and then yep. most recently was the Blazer purchase. So I, I got a 675. And I've been wanting that boat for a while because um, Hunter, you know, my my tournament partner, mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time on that boat with him, and I've I've always loved it. And we took it down to Louisiana, and that it's an incredible machine, you know, just a straight up inshore fishing machine. So um, those are slick boats, yeah. Um, I, I got the chance to hop on Hunter's not too long ago. Um, uh, Captain Hunter Young of Yunko God Fishing. Or Young Co. Yeah, God Char- Service. God Service, thank you. Um, but I got a chance to go fish with him. And I think what draw what drew me into uh, the Blazer the most was the efficiency of fishing big bodies of water. And, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily mean, mean how it handles through the, through the chop or anything, which was also impressive. But, I mean, if we need to pick up and run... 35 miles or you know something silly oh yeah it's really not gonna cut into your day right and and as a guide that's huge you know i've got you know five to eight hours to make this trip happen right and to be able to pick up and cut across topsoil island and and not cut into their time or even as a just a recreational angler you know you only got four hours to fish on the weekend Mm -hmm. you can make really good um useful time on the water doing that and, and just being that fast um, I was, uh, kind of on the train of thought where you can't catch a fish going 70 miles an hour. Right. Changed my mind. Yeah. And it handled really well. It handled, I mean, we were on, uh, 
a pretty big body of water, and, and it got pretty windy, and it, it didn't bat an eye. It did really well, and it's super fishable, ton of deck space. Oh yeah. So yeah, I love it. And then, but that Ranger's a good boat too. I'm partial there. I, I run a, a smaller Ranger flats boat, um, and R- Ranger just built a tank. That's a tank of a boat. It oh, did yeah. really well. Um, so did you go? Did you start guiding out of your your tide water? Yep, the tide water. That was the first boat, and um, the uh, the idea. So what got me into guiding was. It was it was just a lifelong dream. I mean, as a kid, I, I thought the two coolest things would be in the Coast Guard, you know, and be a, uh, a charter boat captain. So uh, after high school, I joined the Coast Guard Reserves, and then, um, you know, I've, I've been in, and then and now I'm I'm active duty here, uh, you know, stationed on on Camp Lejeune. But during COVID, I kept trying to get into uh, the captain's course because, you know, we weren't really running courses because uh, we couldn't have, you know, our, our students flying and traveling, people getting sick. It just wasn't really working out. So we did a lot of work from home, and I was just like, you know, I'm going to use this time and finally get my captain's license. So I did it online and uh, just – and from there, probably about a month later, you know, had a uh, first person call me and, uh, and, and it, it was fun. It was a perfect day. You know, I prayed about it a lot. I'm like, come on, please, <laughs> please don't zero out. But, you know, we got, got three redfish there in the morning and then, um, pushed out towards the inlet and they just happened to, you know, it was like a perfect, perfect tide for this point. And it was just every cast, some kind of fish, whether it's a, a trout smaller trout or uh, uh, black sea bass mm-hmm. lizard fish whatever the, the people they they loved it and one of the guys he caught almost a 20 inch trout up there i wasn't expecting that because i knew there'd be some small ones right but, um and yeah we got lucky with that that's awesome um, it, that, it was a good first trip that's awesome i just recently shared a story about my first trip and i was a I was a crap show. We did get some fish to bite, but I was a nervous wreck. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, it can it can be nerve wracking, but that's pretty sweet. Um, but so you you fished the tide water, it got it out of that, mm-hmm. and and realized you needed a ranger, and then bumped up even another step uh, to the blazer. Um, is that because of guiding, or is that because of tournament fishing? Um, I'm like fifty fifty. You know, I uh, it. it Depends on if I've got a tournament coming up. <laughs> then, then I'm like, oh yeah, I will clear my schedule and and all this. Just do, just you know, focus on this tournament here. But, but then you know, all my with my free like my scouting days mm-hmm. and everything, I always have to keep in mind like, you know, it's uh, guaranteed money if somebody books with me rather than you know yeah. fishing a tournament. So I, I do have to keep that in mind. But I'd. Uh, yeah, I I definitely want to continue to do both, and um, that that Blazer Bay is a, a good rig for for both. Cause I mean, I can it, it'll carry eight people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't carry seven seven clients, or, <laughs> but um, the yeah, I, I got it out of the Ranger a little bit, mm-hmm. and so and it worked it worked well. Um, just, you know, having two, two or three people on there, but I did have to turn down 
a few trips because I mean your your normal uh, family, you know, two parents and two kids or something like that. Yeah, you know, I had had to turn uh, quite a few of those trips down. Right, but um, it's I think having the console in the middle like a normal bay boat is is helpful because you know I'm not really in the way if I'm like behind the console or something yeah. as opposed to you know with with the ghost like I'm. Uh, don't really have anywhere to go kind of stand in the middle of the Mm -hmm. boat when you have somebody on the stern yep yep um i think the boat choice and and pairing a boat with some with an angler is is one of my fun one of my favorite uh conversations to have um like what kind of fish do you do you know but just boat conversations in general definitely a gear nerd there you know my 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 reels might be screaming and needing love but as far as the boat's concerned, I'm, I'm all, I've always been a nerd about that too. Um, so w- when you're when you're guiding and when you're fishing, what are you targeting mostly? Um, this uh, well, this time of year is trout and redfish, of course, mm-hmm. and then in the summertime, uh, black drum and sheep's head. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I like the sheep's head fishing. Yeah, you you've earned a a good little. Sheep's head reputation. You you figured something out. Walk us through a little bit about your tactics with the sheep's head. I well, starting out, you know, I tried. Uh, I was using Carolina rigs, and uh, I noticed that it was just really difficult to catch the fish. Now, the, my bait of choice is mud crabs or fiddler crabs, mm-hmm. and I catch them myself, and that's kind of that's kind of fun. I think. Yeah, fiddler crabs are really. Uh, neat little little creatures i guess but uh sometimes i'll i'll even bring uh the the clients with me and you know kind of show them how to uh you know it, talking beforehand like tell them like yeah we'll do some some redfish in the morning and then some sheep's head and they're like oh yeah i've always wanted to do sheep's head and that so i'll i'll have some uh some crabs already but a lot of times i'll show them how to do it and uh just pull up to shore. I've got a few spots and, uh, just go pick them up and put them in, put them in the bucket, take them. I like using just a regular jig head, you know, real short shank, kind of a, a small, a smaller hook if you can. Mm-hmm. And then hook the crab just through one side of the legs. And then, so the point of the hook is just barely coming up the other side of the legs. So a lot of times when you get a larger sheep's head or black drum, when uh, the bait's like just barely suspended off the bottom, they'll bite it. A lot of times they they can hook themselves because you know how they are. They call them the convicts, but not just because of the stripes. I mean, they'll, right. they'll steal your bait sometimes. Real quick, <laughs> they can be hard to hook. Oh yeah, it. Uh, you know, I always joke uh, after we've collected like like fifteen crabs or something. Be like, all right, that, that's good for one sheep's head. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. But yep. Um, you know, even the claw, ripping off the claw off the males will work too because it's hard for them to, to steal the claw. So uh, do bridge pylons or just um, any any kind of pylon area that has a deep hole and, and uh, current moving through. You know, there's there's some docks that hold them too. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I shoot for the bridges because it's easy to tie up to and when – it's you know july and, and you know oh, a yeah. heat index over 100 like you you got to get a little break from the sure. sun yeah. so that's that's the perfect opportunity to go and yeah. it's easy anybody can do it you know yeah Just, uh put the bait right behind the piling 
So uh, it's uh, being or it's blocking the current, you know, and uh, a quarter ounce will usually do it. Depend quarter ounce jig head will will normally do it depending on the speed of the current or the depth you're going to. Right. Or I'll I'll step up to a half ounce. Yeah. Um, I I got a tip this summer actually about when you when you're picking up those fiddlers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If you if you take a piece of cardboard no bigger than your cell phone and dunk it in a salt water and then throw it in your bucket, yeah, you, your fiddlers last a whole lot longer. Um, That's a good I was we you know if we were going out for a full day mm-hmm. and and fishing, I'm like man my my crabs are dying. Mm-hmm. I mean like I said it's July, yeah, typically when we're targeting these fish and, um, but yeah so I started doing that taking a piece of cardboard and, and wetting it and my, my crabs were lasting a whole lot longer. Um, now I'm I'm pretty bad at, at catching the sheep's head, um, but it, that definitely did help. Um, and then quick, being real quick on the hook sets. Oh yeah, um, that was big. Um, if you if you caught sleeping, you, you won't come up baitless every time. Yeah. Sometimes when you're not caught sleeping, if you're paying good attention, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty slick with it. Um, so trout this time of year primarily. Yeah, uh, once it gets real cold, I'll, you know, when when I'm very confident in a lot of the areas I fish that I know the redfish are going to be schooled up, you know, I'll I'll start heading out there to the marsh. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I went out a little bit earlier this year just because I had uh, had Captain Dana with me and I wanted to give him the whole, you know, Swansboro experience. So. We did trout in the morning and then headed out to the marsh. And, you know, I just forget how clear it gets because that, that was my first time going for redfish in a few months. Mm-hmm. And it's just crystal clear out there. I mean, we were seeing a ton of fish. And, yeah. Uh, got some got some good shots and some bad shots on them. It was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun because him up on the noose, you know, he – they don't have that clear water like that. And yeah. So, you know, it was just like, man, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It is pretty crazy when our water cleans up um, from, from Swansboro to Topsville to Wrightsville. Everybody's yeah. water's getting real clear. Um, and your stealth just becomes unreal. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be as stealthy as you can because as well as you can see them, you know, they can probably see you. Oh, yeah. Um, what baits do you like? <clears throat> Excuse me. What baits do you like when it gets real clear like this? For uh for the redfish, yeah. Well, gulp gulp is <laughs> yes. It's hard to beat the white gulp, four inch shrimp, or the the three inch, and I I want to find something better that I really love other than than the gulp. Like the the gulp is is great, but um, you know as you know you leave it on your hook, you run to another spot, it's it's going to dry up. Yeah, and um. So it, I, I, the Z man beer run and then the, oh, yeah. um, what's the, the blue, uh, kind of flake in there, the pearl, I think. Who's Z man? Yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. I've, I've forgotten the name. Um, there's a, the blue flake in it. Yeah. Some kind of pearl. I use those. Yeah. That's a good one too. Those two. And then. And what, just a diesel minnow? Yeah. Yeah. Your regular four inch paddler and, uh, there's a kind of brownish color with gold flake, saltwater assassin. Oh yeah, and that I just I, I didn't even plan that. I think like my dad gave me a few packs. He just picked something up on his way to the house, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'll try these. And 
they work well with underspin or um, uh, right, the Texas Eye jig heads. Mm-hmm. I like those a lot, being able to hide the hook because yeah. of all the oysters we have here, you know. Yeah, there's nothing worse than in presenting to a redfish that's crawling through some oysters mm-hmm. and you can't retrieve it. You can't present it to it. I mean, everything lined up. If you had two bumps on that lure, it would have been right in front of his nose, and you can't because you snagged up in an oyster and yep. blowing the fish out. That's Terrible. tough. <laughs> um, one of my new favorite baits this winter is becoming the Cocahoe Minnow. And it's not a super popular bait, but it's tiny. It's like, I want to say it's like an inch and three quarters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been throwing it on um, a net head okay. um, from iStrike. And, yeah. and, man, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot because uh, it just hits the water so softly. Yeah. You know, you've got yeah. these big schools of redfish in clear water. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, if it plops the water too hard, they, they'll spook out. But I've really been falling in love with that. Um but on the trout side of things, I uh, recently learned fishing with you that you're a big trout addict, just like myself. That's, in fact, how I fell in love with the whole inshore fishing was was chasing these big trout. Oh, yeah. um, dive into that a little bit as far as what you like to throw and what you're looking for and the, just the scenario. Oh, yeah. Big, big trout. That's something I look forward to all summer long you know <laughs> waiting waiting for uh september to roll around then start targeting them but my favorite is when they you know get in the the backwater the narrow creeks mm-hmm. with with big holes i uh you know my my go-to lures there is probably number one down south um and they've, they've got a few different ones that is a variation of like purple with chartreuse tail and that's uh my my go-to colors there and mirror lures i call, i like the 17s uh mr17s and i think my favorite color on the mirror lure is probably the green with the orange belly i yeah i can't remember that color and then mardi gras mardi gras a staple yeah i mean that's I mean, purple and yellow yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorites um i recently read that a purple fly has more world records among all species really? than any other color, just like the IGAF um, mm-hmm. uh, world records. So I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, purple flies, Mardi Gras mirror lures, yeah. opening night for the redfish. Um, that makes total sense. I don't know why. I don't know of anything purple or chartreuse in nature, but, man, nah, it's a it's a confidence bait for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, same. If uh, I... You know, if, if I had to pick one color to throw for trout, it would be purple. Yeah, especially. And chartreuse, that's one color. Purple and chartreuse. <laughs> yeah, that is one color. <laughs> one color pattern. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, well, that is true, too, because we're we're in some pretty uh, stained, tannic water. Yeah. Um, but I've seen that be true for all these coastal rivers, you know, from, from the Cape Fear to the New River, Noose, Pamlico, Pungo, all of them. Um, that's been a pretty pretty regular, especially chartreuse. Um, y'all is hurting the tackle shops. If it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. And yeah, I mean, I, it, it keeps remaining true. And my favorite gulp is the white and chartreuse tail. Oh, yeah. So again, chartreuse ain't nothing in nature chartreuse, but yeah, that gummit it catches a snot out of them. Uh, it does. <laughs> um, but what, what's your ideal depth getting into, you know, late December, January, February, you're going trout fishing. What, what depth are you looking for? Um, you know, probably 
I'd say, well, some of my favorite holes are, are only eight foot deep. Okay. But it's just the, the contour of the creek, the way it is, um, you know, a lot. Because there, there's a few that, that you know, eight, eight foot seems to be the, the depth there. Uh, going five, and then you, you kind of get a little trough, like uh, especially in a bend, you know, outside of bends. A lot of times, you know, on the outside where that little trough is, mm-hmm. and you can line it up. So outgoing tide, you know, they're going to be sitting down waiting for the bait to come over um, the top of, uh, of of that that little trough there. Yeah. And then uh, when the tide changes, and then you've got incoming, you just can shift down to the other side of the bend, right? And pretty much follow the same pattern for sure. Um, so. Depth is relative to the, the the rest of the creek. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Um, and and what you were saying too about the the trout just shifting sides, mm-hmm. I, I've found that to be more true this year for some reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've watched it like I mean polarizing really. Yeah, just make a quick adjustment, and even without your electronics, um, I mean, doing this back to that aluminum boat, um, without all of your electronics or anything, if you're looking at a creek and it, the creek turns hard left, mm-hmm. ninety left. You know the right side's going to be deeper just yes. because the way the water flows through the creek, mm-hmm. the, the the water system. And then if it's a right turn, you know the deep side's going to be on the left. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing that I kind of put together before I had electronics. I'm still not a very tech savvy angler. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I wish I was sometimes. You know, I wish that I could look at a screen and be like, "Yep, there's four three pound trout, four mullet." Seven Manhattan, but yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure the technology's out there to do that. It probably tells you what color to throw, even. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm not very tech savvy. I do um, utilize my side scan when the scenario is right, but mm-hmm. more times than not, um, going off of just the history of that spot or, or whatever the case is, I look for bait sometimes too. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm I'm not, but I definitely think there's something to the way the bottom of that creek looks in these turns outside of the bends in the bends. Um, it seems like to me that most of the big trout that I've caught have been within casting range of a bend, if not in the bend. Right. Um, so there's got to be, got to be something to it. Um, but jumping into a little bit of your tournament fishing, y'all, y'all travel up and down the coast to do that. Um, well, I uh, I guess Hunter and I we're we're both pretty new to it, I guess, but you know, we're we're definitely hooked. Um uh doing very well for a young team, I might add. Yeah, we've we've gotten lucky a few times. It's it's just always like, you know, we're just out of reach of the money, you know, fifth, sixth place, stuff like that. But uh it is definitely, you know, I- improvements and stuff and you know, you're you're always learning something from it, and um, I'm I'm pretty happy. You know, after after a tournament, I mean, heck, just you know, with trout tournaments, weighing in four fish, you know, that's yeah. that's the number one goal. That's and, right. And and I've I've been there, come up, you know, don't even go to weigh ins because I've got two two small fish. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's that's how how it goes sometimes. You yeah. know, that's my my father in law. Um, when I was getting into he he fished tournaments. Uh, years prior than to me and then i got this opportunity in high school to fish with uh, a local guide in a tournament uh, through a tackle shop or whatever mm-hmm. so anyways i was going into my very first tournament and obviously i'm stoked yeah. i mean i'm jacked up and uh 
he, he told me, he's like, two fish is your goal. You know, I'm shooting for the stars. I'm like, yeah, right, 15 pounds is yeah, my goal. right. But he actually was right. He was like, look, first tournament, two fish. Yeah. Um, We we had a pretty rough tournament. Mm-hmm. Came out of it. And then he was like, now you got to catch, you know, 10 pounds. That yeah. should be your goal. And uh, it was like every milestone, he'd be like, all right, you know, you did, now you're like, it's a progression. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I sh- you show up to win. Yeah. You, you want you want the trophy. You want the big check. Um, but it, truthfully, at least the way it was for me, um, after that first humbling tournament, it's like he was right. You know, I need to show up and, and I want to win, but I need to get two fish in a live well. Right. Or, you know, if you're trout fishing, um, which I'm not huge on the trout tournaments. Yeah. Not very involved in that. But um, the, the few I have, I'm like, we need four fish, and then we can start, you know, thinking about, what what comes next right um but i think the the best part about tournament fishing is, is all the tactics that go in it yeah um yeah you know you're going to be a, a running gun you're going to rot in the spot mm-hmm. you're going to make a 40 mile run right out the gate um the all trend towards any certain style of fishing without spilling the beans or giving me any black magic how do y'all like to approach these tournaments uh we, we we've made a few runs and um, the majority of the time we're making a run, a big one and yeah, pretty big, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. And I mean, in a that, blazer bay, that's yeah. covering some ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes, so the first tournament Hunter and I fished together, it was in his blazer and that was, you know, the first time I saw one of those boats could do, yeah. uh, and I, uh, was pre-fishing and, that week and i was actually i was with uh captain drew on one of these days and we just yeah we <clears throat> we found some big fish and i uh, went back later in the week hit it again i was like oh yeah it's awesome and so we uh i know getting you know that's the first time really ridden on a pad that high out of the water mm-hmm. and and it was wild you know going over there but uh we we got to that spot and there were you know four or five boats that came in behind us and we we're like oh man we uh i'm i'm glad we i think there's something to this spot you know and, and we're throwing artificial and uh the people with the slip corks and the shrimp were just like killing it we'd you know catch one fish maybe every 20 cast mm-hmm. and then these people they're just sticking pigs left and right yeah. and uh that was definitely humbling you know you're talking about but that was good. We had, I think, twelve pounds in uh, in that first tournament, and um, that's you know, it's, that's it's, respectable. Yeah, it's gratifying getting that on artificial, mm-hmm. also. Sure. And I've done live bait at a few tournaments, and it's just it's hard. It's really hard to sit there with the cork, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I it it, def, it takes some patience, which which I don't really have. Yeah, maybe that's why I like redfish tournaments a little more because uh, generally they're all artificial only, and it's faster. Yeah, I think it's it's just a faster way to fish. I can put ten cast to a hundred yard bank, mm-hmm. whereas that's just fishing too fast. Yeah, if you're trout fishing, um, or at least in in, in my head. Yeah, um, and we've we've done both tournament fishing from from making long runs to. And, and like I said, we're fishing out of a Ranger Phantom with the 75 yeah. on the back. So we're, it took us a while to make these long runs. To We've done the whole rot in the spot. Like, we yeah. know fish cruise so-and-so bank. And we when we fished one spot for, like, 
gosh, like five hours. Yeah. And there was like two hour lulls or requested and everything. And someone would hook up to, yeah. what, to what you needed. Um, and we've, we've, we've done the run and gun. Um, but something, something about tournament days, you can, you can lose your mind. You know what I mean? You oh, have yeah. a solid game plan. You're like, well, now that I'm on the water, I'm thinking, yeah. da, 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 start doing crazy stuff. Um, but if it can go wrong, it will go wrong right. on tournament day. Right. That, that's what I have seen from anywhere from dead batteries. Um, thank gosh we was running uh, jumper cables that yeah. day. I think it was second event last year. We we um, well, The worst part about it was we was really, really shallow. Uh, obviously, we're not quicker than anybody. Mm-hmm. And we're among the slowest boats in the pack, uh, typically. And um, But we started at a dead low tide. And we were licking our chops because we were among the shallowest boats. Yeah. And um, oh, yeah. so we got to where we wanted, and within, I don't even know, 45 minutes, had 14 pounds in the boat. Mm-hmm. And when we were like, this is this is great. Let's dump this 26, get one more 27. We're going to go back to the docks and cash checks. And um, fish this spot out for the whole tide cycle that the fish were doing what they were doing and couldn't crank up. Little did we know, neither our live wells were not running because oh. the battery was that dead. Dang. We had no live wells, uh, no research, mm-hmm. um, nothing. And n- nobody was fishing then. We yeah. were ca- not freaking out, but we were like, oh, this is bad. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a pretty big penalty if you have to weigh a dead fish. And we didn't want to kill fish that big. Mm-hmm. So, ended up having a pair of jumper cables way deep into the builds. Like, I yeah. knew they were in the boat, but yeah. I didn't know where. <laughs> Found them. And jumped it off of our trolling motor battery, which in turn ended up taking a large part of our trolling motor life oh, away yeah. from us. Um, it limped it back to the dock like four hours early. Yeah. Um, just weighed what we had. and um, But anyways, if it can go wrong, it, it's going to go <laughs> wrong then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking. But it, it something about it keeps us coming back. I'm just – I don't know if I'm just competitive or or – adrenaline junk i don't know what it is um keeps me coming back but uh i I don't do quite as much traveling as y'all tell tell me a little bit about y'all's y'all's travels up and down the coast uh hunter's done a little bit more than me i we did a hilton head tournament and that was so speaking of things going wrong oh no went wrong (laughs) i I sheared the drive pin on my trolling motor Mm. And so I'm like bumping it up to 10 and the props barely spinning. I'm like, what in the world? And just saw the props just completely disconnected from the shaft. Yeah. So after that, you know, of course, I see why there are people with two trolling motors on their boat. Oh, yeah. Putting a puck on the back and having your spare trolling motor. So I've uh, I've done that. You know, there uh, I've had. So you're running two now? Two trolling motors? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've got um, I've got a, a seventy. That's my spare, and then an eighty on the front. And uh, but yeah, the the more bad things happen, the you know first thing I do after that is go. Oh yeah, go and get uh, like you're talking about with the battery. And I, I keep a jump box on board, and because uh, you never know, you know spare spare prop hub kits. Oh yeah, uh, all that stuff. It's it's good to just have on the boat. Yeah, I, I I carry the um the drive pin because mm-hmm. I don't in a sixteen foot eight inch boat yeah. I just don't have the room for another trolling motor. Yeah, and then that would take away from my draft and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we care carry 
almost anything yeah. we would need to rebuild that. You've got a push pull also. I do. So, so I learned my lesson. Um, I was on a trip, a, a guided trip, and um, luckily I was able to push. Uh, most of what I do is pretty shallow, so I could just hop on the platform and and push around. Um, typically not pushing in a in a tournament scenario. A little yeah. more efficient if we can both be slinging. Right. Um, but yeah, that. Ever since that trip where I cheered the pin, I carry a handful of pins with me. Oh, yeah. Um, got this little Yeti sidekick bag, a little dry bag. Uh, some people call it my man purse. Yeah. But I have everything I need in there from uh, pins and, and little ranches and, you know, all kinds of things. Because if it, if it can go bad, it will go bad. Mm-hmm. And that's true for just even boating in general. Um, but... So y'all went to went to Hilton Head. Yeah, you were in Louisiana too, right? Hilton Head, Louisiana. So that was um, more of a, a birthday present. Oh, that's for cool. me. Um, I I've been wanting to go down to Delacroix, and uh, we took his blazer down there, and I, I had to. Um, well, uh, originally, like my dad and I, we were going to go down there and go with a guide, and then he had. Uh, off that week so he's like hey uh you want to just come with me we'll bring the boat so we did that and he fished that tournament that weekend um i i wish i could have but i'd already had plans to hop on a plane and then go go see my granddad and um so you know i'm glad i did that of course but um the fishing down there is you know it's it (laughs) If you catch fish up here, then you'll catch a lot of fish down there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, I forgot who said it most recently, but they said something. They were making a comment about North Carolina anglers and how mm-hmm. they stack up to any other state. Um, we, you know, we every fishery has its problems and battles right. and things like that. But he, it was in reference to some of our conservation battles or whatever, and um. Point being, he said, you know, because of how much water we have, how much pressure we have, and all these other topics, I would stack a North Carolina angler up against any other angler in any other state. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he's wrong. Um, I think he might be on to something. Yeah to, yeah. to to consistently catch fish in North Carolina does take some some time on the water and some understanding of of the behavior and and all the other stuff, especially. The, the variety we have to fish North Carolina from one end of the coast to the, you know, North end to the Southern end of the coast. Mm-hmm. You, there's a lot to go, you know, from having the rock fish up North to having our incredible red fishery. We have tailing reds, belly crawling reds, deep water reds They're on the docks. We have a world-class trout fishery in all of our coastal rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty epic fishery. Um, I think I fall in love with the variety. Every time I'll go into a rabbit hole and one thing, and then winter comes around, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do trout for yeah. the next three months, yeah. and then you know whatever back to flood tides and tailing reds and the sheep's head and all the underrated species. Goodness gracious, um, you touched on sheep's head. That is in my opinion is a very very underrated fish, um, as well as a black drum. Oh yeah, um, the Carolina bonefish as it's called. Um, but yeah, they're very underrated, super strong fish. Um, it feels even stronger in the current, of course. But yeah, then, yeah, pound for pound, the sheep's head. They're some. They're good fighters, you know. And yeah, uh, trying to you got to be pretty quick with it. You know, put some heat on them, or else they're going to wrap you around right. around the piling. And 
and break you off. And so that's, that's pretty nerve wracking when, when, you know, you have a client on or just, or even with me, um, uh, black drum, I had big old dinosaur. I mean, it was like 31 and a half inches and I, I had a real, really light like trout setup. I don't know why I was using it. I think, <laughs> I think I just put brand new line on it and mm-hmm. I just wanted to use it. And so, you know, I call, I thought it was a skate at first cause it was just moving so slow on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then finally started getting it up higher in the water column and just made a run. And I mean, it was getting wrapped around the the piling and everything and uh i've i've got gopro footage of it though i hadn't uh you know really shown anybody but my close friends because you can obviously see exactly where i am but, yeah um but yeah it it gets gets pretty intense there because um yeah if if you've got your drag too loose and everything then, yeah. then they'll they'll wrap you around and break you off yeah for sure i'm sure that was a an old crap moment once you realize oh man that's not a skate. Oh yeah, that's a giant black drum. Yeah, when he, he flipped <laughs> on the surface like that, and I saw, you know, the head came up and the big tail kick, and Woody, he was on the boat with me, and he he started freaking out, barking at it, <laughs> and he was pretty excited for me to get it. Yes, yeah. it's bigger than he was. He was rooting for you. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, my my bike lab. That's my my first mate too. Uh, never fish alone. Um, well, sweet man. Um. If you if you got anything else to add, uh, nope. I just look forward to doing this again with you sometime. And yeah, we uh, have to make it happen. Of course, going fishing, you know, we got to do that more too. Um, well, tell us uh, where can we find you or, or book a trip with you? I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So Instagram is at Unreal, like spelled like a fishing reel. Uh, underscore Addison, Facebook, Unreal Charters NC. Uh, you can go on Google, type in Unreal Charters NC, pop my website up, and um, you know, I've got my number on there. So, uh, you know, guys, feel free to call me, and we can set up a trip, do uh, do whatever ever you guys want to do. Sweet, man. Well, thanks again for taking the time to sit down with me and chat it up, and we will see you guys next time.